Hello and welcome to the latest edition of ATR Radio. I'm Brian Pinelli. Today we're joined by three-time Olympian, a multi-talented individual, gold medalist from the Vancouver 2010 Olympic Games in four-man bobsled, Steve Mesler. And uh, hopping on board, Steve Mesler, a guy who's made a lifetime out of hopping on board. And uh, thanks for joining us, Steve. How are you doing? <laughs> I, you know, doing as well as, uh, doing as well as well can be right now. Yeah, yeah. So, Steve, just uh, first off, a lot to talk about here. And uh, I, I should mention what we'll get to shortly. Steve is the co-founder of Classroom Champions, uh, uh, a nice initiative connecting Olympians, Paralympians, professional athletes with schools, teachers, uh, obviously students, and, and of course, parents now with, with homeschooling going on. But yep. Steve, first off, I guess, uh, you know, how, how is daily life? You're, you're at your home there in, in, in Calgary, Canada, Alberta. Obviously, all our lives have been changed recently because yep. of the coronavirus. So what's, what's daily life for you? How are you keeping busy? I know classroom champions. Uh, how are you staying fit? And, uh, you know, how are you doing? Um, thanks for asking, you know, doing well, I, I think, you know, doing like many people who have a, who have kids at home, my wife and I are trading on and off childcare. She's, we're, you know, we're fortunate she's two and a half, so she's not really processing all the things that are happening. She's excited that we're home a lot. She's a little confused when daddy goes to work and I just go into the basement and close the door. Um, but we're, you know, we're, we're fortunate. I mean, it's, we're fortunate that we have the lives. My wife's a professor. Uh, Costume Champions is my full time is my full time role, and we're just we're fortunate that we're able to spend that time. That we have the ability to just lock ourselves in our houses. Uh, you know, I moved to Calgary 17 years ago as as an American bobsledder to train. Uh, I'm kind of sandwiched in between the the University of Calgary, where I did all of my training at the Olympic Oval, and then the or most of my training, and then the Olympic Park, which is the other direction for five you know five minutes away. So kind of right in Northwest Calgary here. And you know, how do I stay fit? I've got a gym. I convinced my wife about four years ago to put a gym in, uh, <laughs> put a gym in the basement, so I have the athletes, the Olympians dream basement with a full-on gym mat floor and a squat rack and a, we have our bike and treadmill and our, and our you know, bumper plates and all of that. So uh, it's not so bad. It's, 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 not, it's not, I wouldn't even say it's not so bad. It's great. It's great to be home. It's, we're lucky. And Classroom Champions work is virtual anyway. So majority of our team is spread around. We have, you know, Olympian Emily Cook who, who works with us and, you know, she's down in Utah anyway. So we're used to this. Yeah, I'm excited to get to Classroom Champions in, in a second, but yeah. you know, want, want to touch upon, obviously, uh, your, your golden moment, uh, February marked the 10-year anniversary, of course, of the 2010 Vancouver Olympics. You were part of that gold medal winning four-man bobsled team with, with, with drivers Stephen Holcomb, Curtis Tomasevich, and, and Justin Olsen. Uh, you guys ended a 62-year-old gold medal drought for USA bobsledding uh, uh, in, in the four-man event. Uh, you know, what, what are your most vivid memories? Does it seem like a decade ago, Steve? It, you know, it seems like both yesterday and five decades ago. Um, yeah, it was just 10 years, yeah, just 10 years ago, like you said, just about a month and a, a little over a month ago at this point, which of course the last month for all of us feels like 10 years in and of itself. Um, you know, I'm, I, I feel like the things that I have always missed have been the guys. I miss Kurt. I miss Justin. I miss, you know, Holky for many reasons. The one that we, you know, couldn't pick up the phone and have a conversation and, um, and enjoy that after he passed away a few years ago. And, uh, but now I think it's, now it's so interesting. Now the reflection of just the last couple of weeks, 
has been thinking about the crowds, thinking about, you know, the, the thousands of people that were lining the track that you literally don't have that happening anywhere in the world um, or in most places in the world right now. I think about like climbing through the crowd and going and finding my parents and hugging them on the other side of the bobsled, on the other side of the braking stretch there. And that's not a possible thing right now. So I, those are the things that I'm reflecting on right now and just really appreciating, appreciating how many friends and family came um, and then how much the country rallied around us as we flew around the country afterwards from NASCAR races to Letterman to, to, you know, throwing out pitches and all those kinds of things and how proud the country was. And, you know, those are things that I, you know, really, really relish. And, and obviously must have been really cool to do TV shows and talk shows and, you know, football, baseball, basketball players probably get this opportunity more often. But, you know, with all due respect, Steve, when you're a bobsledder, you know, you're not, not so I, well known. I, I mean, you don't even have to caveat it with all, due, with all due respect. I mean, my job was to run for five seconds and sit for a minute. And I was the best in the world at it for, for, for two shining days. And for the American conscious to know, for me to know that on the Sunday morning, you know, the entire country was saying, hey, do you see what our boys did last night? Like, that was a pretty cool thing. I mean, to, to go around and, you know, Tom Hanks was on, was on Letterman the night that we did our top 10 on Letterman the Thursday after we won our medal. And you know, he asked for us to stay afterwards so he could get a picture with us because he and his son watched us on the Saturday night and his son pushed his couch around the living room, um, you know, during the bobsled race. So it was moments like that that it was really neat to see just how how prideful Americans were of what we of what we were able to accomplish in a sport that we are not. Americans know bobsled because of cool runnings. I mean, that's straight up. That's that's the way it is. Yeah, yeah. You obviously remain uh, close to as we were just talking about with you know many athletes through classroom champions. Uh, you're also a, a member of the board of the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee. Yeah. Um, obviously, tough times for all national Olympic committees as everybody tries to sort out how to hang on for, for another year now that the Tokyo 2020 games have been postponed. Uh, it, it seems USOPC might be in a little bit of a difficult situation with the uh, funding that was expected. Of course, you know, no government funding for USOPC, other, unlike other countries. So, you know, waiting on funding through media rights, uh, if I understand correctly, through NBC Universal, and and this is all on hold. How much of a concern is this? And you know, how can USOPC, you know, help its athletes during these uh, uncertain and and very difficult times? Yeah, I I think of it. I look at it globally on this one, which is that all of these other you know national Olympic committees who get government funding. The question will be: Is there going to be government funding for them for this as well? I mean, right now these governments are spending all of the resources as well as they should on making sure their people stay safe and making sure their people stay healthy. So I don't necessarily see it as a USOPC problem where we don't get government funding. I think that, um, you know, we've always been able to, to, you know, really have our athletes be, you know, really well supported in a lot of different ways. Um, there's always ways that we can support them better. So I think that the, the question of, you know, the lack of government support, is, is going to be both a blessing and a curse in, in our country where I think in a lot of these other countries, I don't know if, you know, that's going to be the first priority for governments for the next one to two years as well is funding that when their hospitals are short staffed, when their people are dying. And that's the, you know, that's the worry I think for the entire Olympic movement. 
is there a lot of concern among athletes? I mean, I, I assume you continue to interact with them for various reasons during this crisis. I mean, I mean, what's the level of concern? Obviously, a lot of uncertainty. I think, you know, for your, average, for your average athlete that's grinding away towards Tokyo, whether it's 2020 or 2021, or whether it's Beijing, or whether it's Paris, uh, you know, for your average athlete on a daily basis, finances are always a concern. So I don't think, I'm not sure if this changes that too much currently. I, I you know, I think once the USOPC goes through all of the rigor that we need to go through and, and bringing together the different groups that have, you know, that invest deeply and you know, are tied into the Olympic movement. Once all those groups are able to sit down and we actually are able to, to step away from the current right now and the, you know, the last few weeks, once we're able to get a hold on it and then we're able to communicate to the athletes, then I think it'll hit everybody's radar. But I think your average athletes like Christian Taylor, who are you know, heading towards Tokyo and who are doing all these other things, I think on you know, the daily basis right now, their, their concerns are their health, their safety, the country's health, the country's safety. So, you know, my hope is for these athletes that it's not something that they're, they got enough to be concerned about right now. And there's some really, really smart people, Sarah Herschel and Suzanne Lyons and their teams are, are incredible. And they are working really, really hard to make sure that we're going to, you know, we're going to make sure our athletes get through this. All right. Wish the best, obviously, for, yeah. for all athletes, not just U.S. athletes. We're all in this together all over the world. But Steve, yeah. I want to transition. I mean, your, your bread and butter these days is, uh, uh, educating as opposed to, uh, you know, putting your head down, going a uh, hundred miles an hour and, uh, you know, fearing for your life, arguably, uh, you know, yeah. you can, you can tell me about that, or maybe we discuss that uh, another day, but tell me about classroom champions, obviously, uh, uh, a nonprofit connecting as, as we mentioned earlier, Olympians, Paralympians, professional athletes with, uh, school children, uh, across the United States, if I understand correctly, kindergarten through, through eighth grade generally, although maybe now anyone can tap in. Tell me a little bit about the, the genesis of classroom champions and, uh, you know, what, what, what's the latest, uh, exciting news with, with, with your programs? Yeah. No, uh, classroom champions is, you know, it's a nonprofit, it's an international education nonprofit. We work across the U S and Canada and, and our goal is to, help teachers, help families, and ultimately help kids you know, learn the skills that they need to be successful in life and in school. And we do that through virtual communication. We do that through video lessons from athletes. We do that through, through communication, just like what you and I are doing over a Zoom right now, or a BlueJeans, or a Skype, um, using social media and various platforms, our own platform that we have that connects these athletes and these kids. And we wanted, you know, the genesis of Classroom Champions literally was my sister who has her PhD in education and social policy was a teacher. I was a teacher. Our parents were teachers and I was living the life that the 10 year old kid in us would have just dreamt about 10 years ago, going into my final Olympic games. I mean, who gets to go to three Olympics, who gets to be that, that athlete. And we wanted to show kids that it wasn't just two and a half weeks of glory on television, that it was a process and that being successful in life is a process and overcoming things is a process and who better to show that than athletes? And you know, over the last ten years, we've we've reached millions of students and taught them lessons from our athletes. We've connected through what we call scaled mentorship and our mentorship plus programs. We've connected them with professional athletes, NFL players, to NCAA athletes, to you know, hundreds of Olympians and Paralympians or national team hopefuls. 
And these athletes are teaching them things, kids, things like goal setting and not just, Hey, you should go set a goal, but here's how I am Christian Taylor. Here's how I set a goal. Here's what this means. And here's a challenge for you to go and do this. So for us, for me, it's personally, it's thinking like my heroes when I was growing up were Wayne, Wayne Gretzky and Carl Lewis and Dan O'Brien. And imagine if I could learn from them when I was a kid, how they did it. Not just that that was important, but literally the step-by-step process and that they could give me feedback. And that's what Classroom Champions has been able to do. So in a world, in a coronavirus world, um, we've always been virtual. We've, we've you know, mentored tens of thousands of kids and, and taught millions of kids um, and we're doing that through programs that have always been virtual. Sure. You mentioned Christian Taylor, of course, the top-notch U.S. Uh, triple jumper. I, I watched one of your episodes from Friday, Feel Good Friday. Mm-hmm. I uh, saw the colorful personality of U.S. freestyle skier Emily Cook uh, uh, hosting with, obviously, multiple athletes on, on board sharing stories. So, yeah. you know, re- really creative stuff, Steve. But I, I guess my next question is, you know, how have things changed with classroom champions in our, uh, and unfortunately in our, our COVID-19 reality that we're all in together? I mean, as far as um, the resources being available for, for teachers and I guess more so parents now because homeschooling is, uh, you know, is what's happening uh, across the world at the moment. Yeah, you know, you see things in different communities everywhere. So the challenges are so, so different. We work across the U.S. and across Canada um, you know, the thing we're doing Friday, things we're doing every day now at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific is answering the calls from families and teachers, which is we need something consistent in our day, in our kids' days. So we need a schedule. So Classroom Champions is meant to be facilitated by teachers and principals in schools. Well, kids aren't in school now. So we have to give some kind of rigor. And in school, you have rigor. You have first period, second period, third period. Um, you know, right now these kids don't have rigor and for anybody out there who has been a teacher, who has spent time with kids, schedules are good things. Um, whether you're an athlete, I mean, you know, talk to our athletes, schedules are a good thing. We wake up every day, we have breakfast, we train, we do, we go through our days. So they're predictable. Um, those things are really good for learning and they're really good for success, whether you're a child or an adult. So we've been answering a call in a few ways. One of those is with classroom champions live every morning. Um, it's happening from Monday to Friday. It's led by Olympians. Emily Cook is our host. She leads the team. We have a, you know, an intern that is based in Lake Placid, Tiffany Parker, who is a, you know, a track athlete who's now a bobsledder, of course, keep it in the family a little bit. Yeah. Um, and they're working with educators from across the country to figure out what parents and families need. Um, we've also opened up our, um, all of our resources for free. So folks can go to classroomchampions.org and go to the top right corner and just click sign up. And they'll be brought through a process and they can get onto our platform for free. We're working with the Guatemalan Olympic Committee and uh, Olympic and Paralympic athletes down there that are creating what we're calling mindful minutes that are in Spanish as well now because we're looking at both. They're able to share those things in Guatemala. They're working with, edu- with the Ministry of Education. They've started their My Olympic Friend program, which, I helped, which we helped some set up five years ago. Um, <clears throat> we are, but also when you think about California, Arizona, Texas, Florida, a lot of the states that are you know, going to be hard hit are places, you know, places that are already hit. These are a lot of families that are that the families are you know, native Spanish speaking and the kids are as well. So now we have a lot of more and more athletes that are speaking Spanish that we're putting on there because at the end of the day. And I think if your listeners take away one thing that for them as parents or as global sport administrators to understand is 
right now, the most important thing for kids is that they feel seen, that they understand that just because they're stuck in their house or their apartment or wherever they are, that people care about them and that's it. So if we can do that with sports heroes, that is a really, really important thing. There's endless research that shows that if kids have a caring adult in their life and they feel the more caring adults in their lives kids feel they have, the more successful they'll be and the less, and the less risk factors will, will impact their lives as they move forward. So from Costume Champions angle, we're thinking about it from a research-based and evidence-based approach and how we can take our athletes and our social and emotional learning curriculum and the things that athletes are the best in the world at. The best athletes are best in the world at setting goals, persevering, and, le- and, you know, and leading. We're taking those things, we're making them functional for schools and now for families in a way that, you know, we really, I've been really making sure that that's what people are taking away from this. Math is going to be the, you know, the, the concept that we're going to be able to accelerate learning for the next few months and take a system that has been an education system that's been doing this for hundreds of years. Yeah. We've been bringing kids together to a schoolhouse. There's schoolhouses in all parts of the world that are hundreds of years old, if not even older than that. Um, and the, the concept that we could take that school, that schoolhouse system and turn it online overnight is frankly ridiculous to me. So sure. the end of the day, this won't last forever. Our kids will be back in school. Teachers will be back in front of them. We'll be back to having these things. These teachers are struggling right now to, yeah. to you know, try to do something that they're not trained in. Um, so I think over the next few months, we really just want to focus on making sure these kids feel seen, they feel heard, they understand people around them care. What, uh, Steve, obviously, uh, the situation that the world is in together is, is a learning curve for everybody. It's uh, yeah. uncharted territory. And, you know, we, we all trying to stay positive. Hope positives yeah. come out of it uh, in the way we think and act in our, our daily lives. Uh, for, for classroom champions, you know, what do you think is possible in the future? And, uh, you know, don't want to put any more pressure on your shoulders. But, you know, is this something that could potentially be you know, taken internationally with, with different languages and, and teachers. Obviously, in the Olympic movement, we, uh, we have more than 200 National Olympic committees. I mean, what, what do you hope the future is of Classroom Champions? Yeah, we, what we do at Classroom Champions is scalable globally. We've, we're starting to prove that by, you know, having very initi- various initiatives with the Canadian Olympic and Paralympic committees. Um, Kate Morehouse and her team at the COC's, you know, education pro- programs over there have been doing amazing work and you know, we've brought on amazing athletes to do that. But that is, that is the goal for me. That is the goal for classroom champions is that we can do the system that we've set up and the mentorship plus program and the scaled mentoring that we've done is one way. The way that we're leveraging a platform and providing athletes ways to give back because athletes want to give back. You know this, like athletes want to give back. The problem is, is our, our way of giving back has quite often been going to something in person giving a talk and leaving and never seeing those kids again and saying, if one or two kids listen, it's worth my time. We can do better than that. Um, you know, we are looking to work with global partners and starting to work more and more with global partners, especially right now um, to spread this, that we can do this in various languages for various countries. Uh, NOCs are a great place to start from a place that we have a turnkey system and we have a turnkey program that, that we can, that we want to leverage and we want to use. So um, yeah, a, a huge goal of ours is to make sure that athletes around the world have a way to give back in a way that doesn't interrupt their training, that is easy for them, fun for them. I mean, would love, we should, we should definitely get some, some of our folks like Christian Taylor and some others on here 
because their experience is the one that matters, you know, more than my experience having been the athlete 10 years ago and now being the, well, I would say the suit, but now I'm wearing a, you know, getting to sit at home wearing a costume champions jacket. Uh, look good, Steve. You look yeah, fit. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate that. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> you know, uh, obviously, uh, just to kind of wrap things up here, uh, so much concern and, and focus and, and hopefully a, a good, albeit difficult, road ahead for Tokyo 2020. But for all the winter sports athletes, you know, Beijing now 2022 is going to follow one year behind, which, which, you know, is unprecedented. How about for you, Steve? I know you're busy with classroom champions, but uh, some, some commentating, uh, you know, it's, it's a new track. Uh, maybe some coaching with your old friend Brian Scheimer, or, or, or what about a comeback? Do you want to announce it right here on uh, APR Radio? You know, I can, I, I, I'm happy to announce a comeback to, I'll have to think about something that I'm going to come back to. Come back to the, my squat rack in my house. Um, it's been missing me. You know, I, you know, I think that sport is gonna, sport is going to be sport's going to do what sport has always done, always done. Sport is going to bring the world together. Period. Um, like that is what sport's going to do. I mean, we are all going to be starving for sport by the time this is all over with. Uh, you know, Tokyo is going to be a a massive celebration for us all to come together, and I'm excited to be i mean i've been honored honestly brian for five years i've been able to sit on you know sit on the board for the u.s olympic and paralympic committee and and just help and it's been quite an interesting two and a half years within the global olympic movement um, athletes have found their voice they found that they do have you know power they do have influence they can make things happen that they see that are good for them um, and whether it's good for them or whether it's just protecting them, like they've seen that. And, you know, this comes on the heels of all of that happening over the last two, two and a half years. Um, so I'm excited for, you know, when we get out of this, but boy, oh boy, are we smack in the middle of it right now. And, you know, what is it? April 6th. And we're going to see a really tough couple weeks in the United States of America coming up here. So. All right, Steve, hang in there. Uh, all the best with, with Classroom Champions. Uh, exciting stuff happening and, and continuing. And uh, all the best in your personal life. And obviously with uh, USOPC, uh, you have a, a, a lot of good things going uh, uh, on the table right now. Thank you, Brian. I, you know, thank you to everybody out there. Thank you to the athletes who, who they bared with. They bared with the huge changes that are happening. And just like athletes do, they're going to find a way to make it a positive thing. And, um, you know, stay safe over there in Europe too, man. Uh, All right. Thanks for your time, Steve. Right. Take Our care. Today on ATR Radio, Steve Mesler. I'm uh, Brian Pinelli for ATR Radio. For more than 25 years, your best source of news and information about the Olympic movement, go to aroundtherings.com. Have a good day, everybody.